We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So hi everyone, welcome to the Who Stats Unplugged podcast. Megan and Aaron here as always, and we're very excited today because we have a great group of guests here. We got Erica McCall and her father, Coach Greg McCall, here with us today to talk about everything that's been going on. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate you uh, being here. And, uh, you know, it's obviously an important time in our country. I think one of the messages uh, really of the last uh, few weeks is how it's not just been the last, you know, week or so that's an important time, but really this whole kind of era, maybe. And so we really wanted to talk to you to, uh, you know, help us learn, uh, me specifically, but, you know, us collectively, both uh, myself and Megan and our listeners. I think that uh, most people, or many people that follow women's basketball are maybe predisposed uh, in some ways to this issue. So, but I, but I don't think everybody is. And so, um, you know, we've all experienced um, our lives, you know, have had different experiences, but we know that they're not the same as yours. And so, um, you know, I really was interested to hear more of your thoughts at this time. So I think I'll start maybe asking you, uh, Erica, just like what's been going through your mind since, uh, you know, really the news of what happened to George Floyd specifically uh, happened. Uh, You saw that? Yes. Um, For me, it's kind of been a transformation of of a mindset for me um, in the beginning. Uh Uh-oh. Second. One more time there. You were saying in the beginning. Okay. Very biblical. I, I put my phone on, do I serve? Okay. Um, so everything <laughs> was uh, kind of numb for me in a way um, when I see that another black man or a black woman has gotten killed. Um, I kind of have a, a numb feeling because it's something that happens a lot um, within the black community. Um, and so I really needed to reflect on that um, so that I can really try to feel 
um, the pain that my other brothers and sisters in the black community have been feeling. Um, so with that, I had a lot of prayer and reflective moments. Um, and I decided, or I prayed about it, that I needed to go to a protest. Um, so I went to a protest in Bakersfield, actually, and felt very empowered. Um, felt like I was doing something for my community. Felt like um, I was helping a start of a change. Um, and with that, I, I felt more uh, stronger and more confident to speak my voice, share my voice, because I know it's important. I know I have a huge platform. I know people want to hear from me. Um, I know people want to hear what I think about what everything is going on. I'm extremely hurt that George Floyd and Breonna Taylor died in the way that they did, but I truly do thank God for their lives, and I thank God for the legacy that they're living right now. Yeah, that video of uh, his daughter uh, on, I think, Stephen Jackson's uh, shoulders, did you see that? Talking about how her dad had changed the world. It was so powerful. Yeah, really powerful. Yeah, how about you, Coach McCall? How have you been experiencing it? Um, it's been an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, sadness, uh, disappointment, you know, anger. Uh, you know, me being uh, a black man from you know from Alabama, and hmm. you know, I'm ex I've experienced a lot. You know, growing up, you know, I grew up. Um, uh, I was born. I'm not about to tell my age. I guess right now, I was born in 1968. You know, of December, and that's the year. You know, Dr. King got assassinated in April of 1968. And um, as I continue to get older and see certain things, you know, I, my, my, I was raised by my great, great aunt and uh, she sheltered me from a lot, tried to shelter me as much as she could from a lot of those things by just making sure that I was taken care of and just seeing the things that as I got older to seeing the things that she had to endure and had to go through in order for us to, make it better for ourselves, try to make a better life for ourselves is, is, uh, it, it was tough at times. Now looking back at it, um, you know, you had in Alabama is strictly black and white. There's no in between. It's no, the only other, only time that you really had any type of encounters, um, with a white person, if it was some type of services or something like that was rendered far as either, one of the African-American working in the mall and the white person buying from something from the mall, they would encounter, maybe speak and talk or vice versa. If we were going to the mall and they were working at the mall, we had to, um, you know, speak to them and talk to them. Um, those only encounters other than that, you keep, you keep moving, you know, you, some days if you happen to make eye contact, they would speak. Most of the times you knew that it was just a natural thing. Hmm. Uh, to just continue to walk and you do your part, they do their part. You stay out of their way, they stay out of your way. And, um, you know, to, but coming in today, you know, uh, and what happened in, with George uh, Floyd, you know, it's eye opening. It's, uh, I think you could see a whole lot of change. Um, you could see that with the protests. Uh, you have, all people of different color protesting. And that's something that you wouldn't have seen. And that was just recently back what, in 1992 when Rodney King. And then also you could see it when it was just in Virginia a little while back um, when they had what was going on there um, with the race riots and guy drove the car into the people and 
it was still, it wasn't like it is now. And George Floyd, you know, leaving his legacy behind, I mean, he's, to me, he's considered a hero. I mean, it's sad that he had to go through what he had to, to endure in order to bring a lot out in people. And uh, you can see both sides now kind of, you know, trying to fight for some justice and something that has been, uh, we've been suffering for, for a long time and just asking for, for a long time. And, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, I was looking at the memorial service today and he was talking about, you know, we've been asking for, uh, people to get off our necks for a long time in different areas, you know, with schools, with just having to, you know, being able to do some of the same things that our white counterparts were able to do. Um, but you won't let us, you won't let us because your, your knee is on our neck. And so it was one of those, those powerful, powerful speeches that he gave. And it is eye opening and it makes your emotions just kind of go all over the place. And, uh, but it's, it's so eye opening now. And I'm glad to see that it feels like something is actually starting to happen. I'm hoping that we can continue to push and, and to be able to, use you guys as a platform for what you guys are seeing and having us to come on and speak and me use my platform as a coach and you guys use your platform as a media outlet to let people understand and you guys can go out now and you can educate people and talk to other people and you guys can reach more of an audience on the white side to educate people about what's really going on what we've been fighting for for so long and now we can actually start to see some movement behind it. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think you both alluded to, you know, Eric, you said we're at the protest. You've talked about how it kind of it feels a little bit different, it seems, right, than past scenarios. You know, have you both felt that way? Does it kind of really feel like change is going to happen? Are you cynical, optimistic? Yeah, it, it really does. And I'm pretty sure, like, when she was out there protesting, and I'm watching it, you know, uh, um, you see protests in the past if you probably look to your right and left you would see another black person now you're protesting you might look to your right, left, front and back you might have a white person another person protest right along with you which has never been done you've never seen that before and before you think about it it's called a protest. Whereas before, you look at back when the Watts, we were supposed to have been protesting, it was called the Watts Riots. You look at when Rodney King, what happened to him, it was called the Rodney King Riots. And we were still protesting, but it got turned into called the Riots. At least now we're actually saying the word that we're really trying to do is protest on the things that we were trying to supposedly saying that we were writing about before. And it, that's why it feels so different because more people are understanding and now really are protesting. Yeah, you have some people out there still looting and doing some things that shouldn't be done, but I know they're angry too, but there's other ways about going about doing things. And some people have other goals of what they're trying to do with the rioting and things like that, another, uh, I guess you, I can't, you know, another way of looking at things, but you have a lot of people that are 
great people that are out there that are protesting. And that's what it feels like, an actual protest. Well, that's great. I'm very encouraged to hear that you sound optimistic. Um, you know, I have to say I'm not sure uh, how optimistic I am. Um, you know, I certainly, I'm a similar uh, vintage uh, to you, Coach McCall. Megan's, I think, close to A and H to uh, Erica. So, but I definitely remember, uh, well, I remember the Rodney King's riots happening. I was in college at the time. You know, I don't really remember it super vividly. Uh, but, you know, what makes you more optimistic now? I mean, you talked a little bit about it. But compared to Ferguson, how did you feel then? Uh, you know, that was 2014, right? Um, do you remember how each of you felt then and what feels different? Yeah, it was, you know, you still have people out protesting. Uh, and, and but you didn't get that same feeling. It was like it was there, but, okay, we did it for a little bit. But, okay, hopefully something stops. And it didn't. And then you have now. This is gone not just here in America, but this is gone worldwide. People are protesting. You have people in Germany protesting. You have people in France protesting. You have people all over the world protesting. At one point, I think they said all 50 states were protesting. That has never really taken place like that. And I, I can't. I don't know how it was back in the 60s, you know, early 60s when Dr. King was marching. Again, I said I was born in 68, so I was still an infant, but I don't know how those things took place. Um, I don't know how many people were doing it, how far it got. Uh, but power of media today, the power of social media, the power of the video and can help. Uh, like I said, your voices us educating you on how we feel about certain things. You can go out and, hey, share this, spread this word about this, and educate other people about it. And it'll be a great thing to have things to change. And, again, it's, it starts with little things like what we're doing right now. Yeah. And, Erica, you were uh, at Stanford, right, during uh, the events in Ferguson. What was what was that like, and what were the conversations you were having with people then, and, and how does that compare to today? Yeah, uh, I remember, um, as you know, Stanford doesn't have a very large black population there. So um, there were protests being had, but um, very small um, compared to what was happening uh, around around the world, or around the nation. Um, so, you know, it was it was uh, it was powerful um, and it was strong. But, you know, it, I definitely had a different feeling from what was going on today. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on what's different today. Um, maybe that's just the life that, that, that George Ford had or Beyonce Taylor had, you know, and the impact that they had. Or maybe it's just, you know, um, the, the last straw on the camel's back, you know, just, we're just fed up of it. And um, it may be a combination of all those things, but it definitely feels different now. Um, people are talking more. I have friends, probably this is the, the biggest change from then to now is that I have friends, white friends, people of color, of people of color that are contacting me, asking me, am I okay? How do I feel during this moment? And that's been huge for me. Um, Tara Vanderbilt, my coach Tara Vanderbilt called me yesterday, um, just asking, checking in on me to make sure that I was okay during this this climate of, of the world. Um, and he knows it's really good. It feels really good. You know, it's it's not something that I expect of them. You know, it's not something that I'm like, oh, my friends need to call me. If they don't call me, then, you know, I need to get rid of them or, you know, they're against the movement. But 
it's just uh, it's a nice sentiment that people are reaching out and uh, all trying to stay united during this moment. That's good. Um, I guess yeah, along those lines, what kind of conversations have you been having with your friends, with you know, teammates, with your um, players, coach this week, and with all this going on? Is it different from what it's been in the past? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I think it was a couple of days ago. We just had a, a Zoom meeting, and it was. Um, I started off the Zoom meeting. You know, I just I usually started off with all business. I start off with academics, how things going with that. You know, finishing up strong in the classroom. Um, you know, talking about maybe a preview of something that happened with basketball throughout the season, and um, asking them how they're doing. Um, about a lot of things, about what we're looking and planning on coming back and those type of things. Well, this particular Zoom meeting, I didn't go into any of that. I went in and just asked about what are you guys feeling? How are you feeling about what's going on? And then I started it off with myself and talked about my own personal feelings, and it just went from there. And we had a really – because I have a diverse team, and we have – it was really emotional, powerful Zoom meeting. Um, it was something that was, um, I think, needed to be done. Um, at least I felt in my heart with my team because I do have a lot of African-American young ladies on our team. I have a couple white girls on our team, and they needed to hear from each other. And it actually... Uh, was really powerful how how they responded to each other and how much love they have for each other through this crisis. I have a white coach on my team, and he and I we spoke a lot of a lot of times about it way before, just different things. And and but he's been so outspoken about a lot of things. He's shared a lot of things on Twitter before and how he just did never understand and how this has been such an educational eye opening experience for him. And how much he appreciates the fact that what we're going through um, has educated him. And he's been so um, educated and he's just continuing to just to share and wants to talk to me a lot about a lot of things and asking more and more questions. And, and, and also as, after he's asking those questions, sharing it with the world uh, through his eyes and what he's seeing. Um, he just hung up for me right before I got on this call and asking me about how did I feel about the Drew Brees situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, I talked to him a little bit about that and he was angry. He was upset about that. And uh, it's, it's just been really eye opening with my players, with my staff, with my staff. Um, it's been really, really good. It's been really good. And um, just to let them know that there are young ladies that African-American young ladies, um, that are going out in this world and I talk to my own kids and I tell them that all the time. I'm not going to tell you anything that I haven't told my own kids. And that's why Erica, she's sitting here because she knows that everything I'm telling you guys, she's already heard. Um, and so I'm, I was sharing that same thing with my team. Yeah. Before we uh, hear from Erica, a similar question there, could you just follow up a little bit? Because I, I've been reflecting over the last you know, week and a half uh, about the conversations I've had with African-Americans that I've uh, worked with. I- I'd love to hear you more talk a little bit more about how it's come up in the past, as you just mentioned, 
Um, you know, is that something you opened up about and drove conversations to, you know, a year or two ago? Uh, is it something that people are asking about? Um, you know, I guess for me, I'm just trying to understand how to make those conversations happen, not just in this time, but, you know, a few weeks from now, a few months from now, a few years from now. Right. Um, well, when I was talking about Zach and I, we had a conversation before. It, it might just come up where I was talking about something about basketball with me and how I played back in the day. And we would go from that to something else into how I played and who I played with and raised how much that played a part in it. And Mm -hmm. he would listen to those stories and he would share his stories. And some of those stories would be so funny because he never, he never had the opportunity. Even when he was, um, I remember because I played at Cal State Bakersfield as well too. And I remember him coming in as a recruit. And we share this story all the time with, with with each other as well as with other people about how he came in and he was this scared little white guy and his coach sent him out to play against us. And it was actually, it was one, two, like four or five of us, four black guys and one white guy that was on our team that played at Cal State Bakersfield. Like the older guys versus the younger guys. And I'm talking trash to Zach and I'm just giving him the earful. I'm talking so much trash to him. And for a long time, this guy like, man, I didn't like this guy. I hated that guy. I don't like him because he talks so much on the court. And now, of course, now he works for me and he's a great friend more than anything else, more than, you know, because uh, he's been with me since day one, since I got the job. And he mm-hmm. can share that story about how it was for him as a white guy then going against a lot of black guys that he's never played with before because of the small city that he came from. And so he shares that story. And th- those are the type of things that used to come up. And that's why, I mean, we talk about certain things that will get into a conversation about white, black. Um, and and he would get educated on those things. And he would listen. It was more of him listening than anything else. Hmm. So just a natural conversation. Tell it's a story natural. about a road trip. And then maybe something could happen on a road trip. And you're relating a story like that. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I played um, Division three basketball. And definitely we had an incident where uh, – you know, I went to MIT undergrad, so it wasn't quite as uh, diverse as uh, it was more like Stanford than Cal State Bakersfield. But uh, you know, uh, one of our players was called the N word during a game, and uh, you know, immediately reacted. Uh, I forget the details uh, of it all, but uh, in terms of you know whether like punches were thrown or something. But uh, you know, I'm sure the you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, we still face things like that today. Um, Erica, so yeah, what kind of conversations have you been having with your, you know, teammates, friends? Uh, you talked about uh, Coach Vanderveer, but you know, in general. Yes, uh, a lot of it has been based off of what's happening in the in the nation today. Um, I actually just had a conversation with my trainer from Stanford. We're good friends now, um, and she just called me, and you know, was just uh, just kind of apologizing for everything that's happening right now. Um, but she also just said she wanted to be educated and she, you know, she asked, is it okay if I, she asked me questions about what's going on because she felt that she was, uh, not as, she felt ignorant to kind of, you know, what's going on, the emotion behind it. Um, and that's kind of what my conversation been. I just, we just kind of had a natural conversation about how I feel, um, how my dad feels, um, just knowing that I have black family members, father, brother, mother, sisters that I worry about because, you know, every day we're getting hunted down um, and it's very scary. And so 
Um, I've had that, and you know, she's white, so we had that conversation. But also having conversations with my other black friends, you know, just telling about how we feel about certain things. Um, and it's been very comforting knowing that we all support each other, knowing that we're all going through the same thing. Um, and it's just been a, a really reflective time of the year. And I hope that we can continue this on and, and people aren't afraid to ask questions more um, because that's ultimately how we all get educated. That's how we all become united is when we understand each other more. And so I hope that continues on after all this is kind of settled down and, and, and over and over. I wouldn't say over, but this is kind of settled down. Yeah. I think you've both kind of talked about how important it is that people are trying to be educated and learn more. What else do you think is really important right now, not just this week, you know, but going forward so that we see real change? Um, just like uh, Eric was saying, just, we just kind of continue to educate, uh, educate people, uh, whether, no matter what color they are, you know, just continue to educate. We had a great um, Zoom meeting with our Old, our whole staff at Cal State Bakersfield yesterday, and it was a great Zoom meeting. It was quiet at first, and then our head coach, men's basketball coach, spoke a little bit, and it just kind of opened the door for other people to get an opportunity to speak and try to get an understanding. And it was a lot of things that were shared. And um, my athletic director, man, great guy. He um, he spoke about a lot of the things first. He was the first one to speak about it, and he's wrote. A lot of things out on uh, on Twitter, um, his message, um, and I just love the fact that I'm in a place that uh, at CSU Bakersfield that has accepted everything that we've been able to go through, especially now. And so I can't ask for a better place to to work for and better people to be around than the people at Cal State Bakersfield and. Uh, just again, is a lot of things going to take some time, but us getting out and voting, us getting out, making the small changes from top to bottom. Everybody has a role they can play. Um, you have some people that have more powerful roles than I do, than Erica does, than you do, that can make a change. Um, but we're all here trying to do something different you know, by speaking about it. Um, like, again, I've talked about you guys putting this message out there. Us voting can make that change, uh, to change some laws, some change some rules uh, within different policies, not just on police, but on other things that that will make a huge difference with us in the African-American community. And, uh, starting with the vote and doing those things there and starting with our higher politicians all the way down to our local, uh, you know, mayors and doing those things. So um, I think that's going to be the way that we can see change being made. And we're starting it right now with the protests. And we got to continue doing that to in order to make that happen. I think that's something that we, we should do, speak out a whole lot more. It's interesting to hear you talk about voting. Um, that was definitely a question I wanted to ask about. I wasn't sure if there'd be a generational uh, split between the two of you on the uh, importance of that. Um, Erica, do you feel like you and your friends sort of see voting as a important step? I think maybe I saw you tweeting about it in the last uh, day or so, actually. Or, you know, you might, I, you might think from looking at my Twitter feed of people under the age of 30 that they're very cynical about the power of voting. Certainly, we know that not a lot of 
you know, 18 to 29 year olds or 34 year olds, however, the, the demographics are split by the, the different surveys are actually voting. So I was wondering if you could talk about that and, and the importance of voting by uh, young people and, and African Americans as well, which has historically been, I think, under, for a lot of reasons, uh, undercounted in the voting relative to the population. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel in, I can only speak for my generation, but I feel like we are more empowered than ever. We are more vocal than ever than we are. And that goes a lot with social media. Um, we just have the confidence to speak about what we care about. Um, and I think a lot of people are very passionate about politics um, more than we've seen before, especially from young people. Um, typically, people don't think that as young people, we have a voice or our voice matters. Um, and it truly does. Uh, actually, the person, uh, my best friend, she t- reminded me to go register to vote, and I didn't even think about it, you know. She, she was a person that reminded me, um, and I thought it was important for me to continue to spread the word because if we want change, it's going to start from the top. It's going to trickle down. Um, and so for, in order for us to, to see real uh, effects that's going on in the world, we have to use our voice. And I think one of the best ways is through voting. Um I think the African-American community really sees that, um, especially through all the pain that we've been through, um, not only now, but for our history. You know, we couldn't vote for hundreds of years. Um, and I think it's such an amazing thing that we can do today is, is vote and use our voice. Um, and we have that privilege now. And I think that we have to use it um, because that's the best way or one of the best ways that we can truly see change. Yeah, if, I think- you, if you also look at the protests back, you know, if you look at a lot of the older video, you see a lot of the older people protesting. Now you look, it's more the younger generation, hmm. and that that's the greatest thing ever, because uh, now they can they can really get out there and push their voices. Now they understand their voices are stronger than ever before. And they're seeing that. Um, and now you can even see they're even more resilient, you know, from than what they, we've been in the past. I mean, you know, the, the older generation, we set the, the foundation and now they're taking it. And so I, I commend them. I'm excited about it. And uh, Barack Obama said it in a speech that he had the other day, like, how excited he was about the fact that our younger generation is taking this bull by the horns and, 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 and running with it and that's what you want to see and that's what's going to make a huge difference because it's a lot of them and if they can we can get all of them involved and then we still do our part as an older generation it's just going to make things a whole lot better and make things that much stronger for us as African American as well as uh, the United States as a whole Gotcha. One other question I wanted to ask uh, is around, you know, today is June 4th, 2020. And hearkening back to what you said about how this whole, you know, week plus has been very eye opening. Like how much, you know, certainly I've been thinking about it at the very top of mind for me. How much were you thinking about some of these issues um, on, say, June 4th, 2019? Were you having conversations just as long in your house over dinner as you made tonight or last night or whatever? Or, you know, does it kind of recede and then come back when, when you know, we see something in the news? Uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't as prevalent as it is today. That's for sure. But I think it was always in the back of our, our, our minds, for sure. Um, 
because we experience it. We see it every day. Um, and so it, it's a pain that we, we keep lifelong. Um, and so this, just because we didn't necessarily speak about it doesn't mean we weren't thinking about it, we weren't reflecting on it, especially when there have been countless um, unjustified murders of black people. Um, it's definitely something we think about, but because of today and uh, how strong the media is today, how strong we all come together, the conversations are stronger, the conversations are longer, the conversations are needed, um, because there's, there's so much pain, especially as black people, uh, we're expected to be so strong um, and these conversations are so needed because uh, we can break down mentally um, and it, it's hard to see. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of these conversations, conversations that I have with my dad, with my friends, my family. Um, they're so needed for our, our, our mental health um, and for us to can continue on to keep the fight going. Um, kind of the same thing she was saying, um, having those conversations. Um, we've had a lot of conversations but it, like she said, it just didn't stand in the forefront of like it does right now. Uh, the one conversation you always have, the black family, is when you get pulled over, what do you do? And you tell your kids, and I have two sons especially that I talk to a lot because of the African-American male, of how they really perceive us when they, we get pulled over and things that have happened to us when we've gotten pulled over. Not saying that it won't happen to my daughters, but I've had that talk with them, but especially my sons that talk. You know, I can tell my sons, you know, hey, make sure you comply with everything that you're supposed to do when a police officer pull you over. Show your hands, be respectful, say yes, officer, no, officer. I'm reaching for my license. I'm reaching for to turn my car off. Trying to reach for across your body with your opposite hand, not with the hand that's on that side. Just so they can see that you are having a struggle to get to it so it won't look like you're moving too fast. Um, mm -hmm. Those type of things. And continue to tell them as you're reaching that I'm reaching for this. I'm letting you know again that I'm just going for this. Um, those are the type of talks that we had. And when I had this last talk again with them, it didn't hit me. Like I was telling them, I was like, yeah, you know, guys, this, yes, you guys can tell, see what happened. But my older son, Justin, he said, but dad, that doesn't stop them from killing you. And so now my emotions went from the educational side to anger and sadness because I had no answers. For the first time as a dad, I had no answers for my kids. I give them answers all the time. They come and ask me all type of questions about life, about everything. And I can give them answers. I know where to go look for the answers, to come back and give them the answers. I can tell them what to do in society or certain different things. But this one particular time, I woke up the next day and I could not give him an answer. And I still can't to this day. What do I need to do to tell them how to cooperate to, so they won't get killed, so they won't get harmed? And my son, he got a speeding ticket about 
few months ago. I don't know if Erica knows or not, but he got a speed ticket a few months ago, and I was talking about it. And I got a lot of police officer friends, and so we called around trying to see what we could do, what's the best way to handle it, and things like that. And now I look at it, I'm just glad that he got the ticket and was able to drive off mm-hmm. without anybody harming him. Yep. I'm glad about that. And those are the type of things that we have to look out for as black males. Those are the type of things that they have to look out for as black females because what makes them not want to do something to them? So I have to make sure that, hey, watch how you talk. And I haven't told our team, watch how you speak to the officers. Make sure that you know what you're saying. Know, the, know where you're going. Make sure that you know that certain speed limits in certain areas. Know that in certain places that you go, in different areas of different communities that you can't do certain things. You can't drive a certain way. You can't have your music loud in certain areas. So, cause it can happen. So those are the things that I think, you know, that um, the talks that we have with our kids and the talks that we love to have that we sit around and now that it's come to the forefront and mm-hmm. it's standing out even more now. Yeah, that's a question, actually, a topic that uh, Megan and I were saying we wanted to ask you about. I'm the parent of a a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. So one question I had for you is, like, when do you think you had those conversations for the very first time? Like, at what age, you know, would you have had that with your sons for the first time? As well, the other question is, how was that conversation different for uh, your sons and your daughters when you had that conversation? Well, for, for, for me, you know, it's pretty young, knowing where you need to go. Knowing what, how you're supposed to act at school because you're viewed a certain way depending on what school you go to. And Erica went to a predominantly, all my kids went to a predominantly white schools and her classroom, she was, you know, maybe what, two, two people in the classroom maybe were black. And she had to watch what she had to do what she had to say, how she had to say certain things, how she had to act. And because of the color of her skin, not because of the person that she was, because of the color of her skin, because how they view it. And it just happened, I worked at a counseling center um, at the time when she was growing up. So I used to go out to a lot of different schools and I had a lot of African-American kids in my, on my caseload. And most of it was anger. Uh, anger issues, uh, those type of things that it had nothing to do with, you know, something else that was wrong with them in the mental health part. Most of it was anger. And, but a lot of those kids didn't have anger issues. They just were viewed different because of how they were yeah. in the classroom and the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And that, so those talks for me came early on how to act what you need to do, how you need to look, you know, how you need to dress. You know, you can have my kid dressed in the same type of apparel. And my kids used to want to dress, wear this and wear that. Like, no, you can't wear that. You can't get away. You can't do those things. You can't wear that because you're going to be perceived as this if you wear that. So the talks were all the time with me, um, with my, my daughters as well as my sons. Erica, what do you remember about those conversations? And do you remember the first time your dad brought these subjects up to you? 
or your mom? Um, I don't remember remember necessarily being like we're gonna have a race talk or how to, <laughs> <laughs> how you act when you're uh, when you're black, but um, it was just uh, more um, natural conversations that we had. Mm-hmm. Just how do I act? Um, what I need to do to make it to um, the next level as far as basketball, as far as education wise, knowing that I have to work harder because I am black to get to the places where I need to be because just naturally black people have a disadvantage just all going all the way back from slavery. Um, and so just knowing that uh, I have to be polite to others, I think that like the most basic of conversations we had, but that's something that I've stuck with me forever, like being polite will carry me so far knowing that sometimes we call it we call it code switching sometimes i have to speak if i'm speaking to a teacher or someone of higher authority i can't speak the same way that i'm speaking to them the way that i speak with my friends my my tone might be different my dialect might be different um and so these are the things that they taught me that has carried me all the way through where i am today just how to interact with people uh of different races um, and people of higher authority. And so I'm super grateful for my parents and, and everything that they taught me um, because I definitely wouldn't be here where I am today, um, successful um, and knowledgeable about the world and, and how it treats us. I mean, I'm sure there's a hundred more questions that we could ask you guys, but is there anything we didn't ask that you want to talk about that you want to bring up? Because I think the most important part is that we're listening to what you wanted to say and what you want to share. Yeah, I I, I share like, you know, a little bit more about it. And I guess you could say the talk because it really, you know, you just, one of those things, like she said, just it comes up as a conversation or comes up as depending on what they were doing. Uh, I remember taking them back to Alabama where I grew up and allowing them to see a different part of the world of where I grew up in the projects. And then we go right up into the outskirts of certain areas of Alabama and it was totally different. And they could see the difference because it's still, you know, like black and white there and you could see the difference. Um, and so she had an understanding at an early age, like, okay, this is what my dad is trying to educate me on without me having to actually say, I'm taking you back here. This is the history lesson I'm about to give you. It was just one of those things where we we just did as a family. It just came up as conversation. And Mm -hmm. um, it it was never like the talk like you would give, okay, it's time for my son to have that man-to-man talk. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that time when you just waiting to see when he hits puberty and he's starting to figure out like he loves girls and he's starting to like girls and girls are not yucky anymore, you know. And that's when you know, okay, it's time for me to have that talk. It never, as a black family, you never have that time to have that. You always have those talks mm-hmm. uh, from the time when you know that they are able to understand right and wrong and what to do and what not to do. You have those talks. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I do want to, I want to be very respectful of your time. I really appreciate this. One other question that came up, actually I have two questions, which are un, in some ways unrelated. I saw a, um, you know, sad, but educational Twitter thread where someone, um, tweeted that the first time, I think it was a policeman pulled a gun on them. They were 13. 
Um, and, you know, when was it for you? And, and, you know, a lot of people responded with, um, you know, lots of, uh, you know, some of them were people I'd never heard of. And, you know, I think I maybe retweeted it and some people I knew responded as well with what had happened to them. I'm, so I'm curious in your family, like, I'm, I can get some answers, but like, has that happened to each of you? I'm curious to the answer and how many times. Um, I don't know about for airport. For me, mine's, uh, I had one encounter last year. Hmm. Um, I was driving to LA to, uh, supposed to go pick up a recruit in, uh, LA and I was, uh, talking to the mom on the phone, but then she couldn't talk anymore because of her job. So she's like, could you text me? So before I go up what we call the grapevine, I pull over to the side at a gas station. And I sit there at the gas station. I'm texting with the mom because the weather was bad in Seattle. I mean, in Oregon. The weather was bad in Oregon, and we were trying to debate on whether or not that she was going to go ahead and try to fly out or not. And we were texting, texting, texting. So we're there. I'm there for at least, and I'm waiting for her to check with the school, check, we checking the weather. So I'm there at the gas station for at least 15, 20 minutes, you know, texting. And I decided, okay, well, we decided, well, maybe we should try. So I go ahead and get ready to exit onto the freeway. And the mom texts me again and say, Hey, hold on, coach. We're going to try to something else. Let's look at something else before you decide to take off. So I pull over right before I get onto the freeway. And I park right before I get onto the freeway. And I'm sitting there and I'm texting, still texting, texting, texting. And um, a police officer, uh, highway patrol, pulls up behind me. And he gets out and he comes to the car and says, hey, what are you doing on the side of the road? And he, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm a head women's basketball coach. I'm here. I'm just texting. I didn't want to be texting while driving. So I'm texting. Uh, a recruit. If you want to see my phone, sir, you can see my phone where I'm texting a recruit trying to make sure if I want to decide on whether or not I'm going to drive all the way to LA or not. So I'm hoping it's okay. He's like, well, the people at the gas station saw you in their parking lot. And it was kind of early in the morning, saw you in their parking lot and they called. And then they saw you pull over here. And they the one called and said, hey, um, there's a car out there. And I guess he said, Apparently, and this is an area where I know that hardly any traffic ever goes because uh, it's right before you go up to the grapevine. Like, it's a lot of robberies been happening at that gas station. I'm like, okay. I'm in a pretty nice automobile uh, driving, and I don't think I'm looking to do that. And so he asked me for my ID. So, of course, I did what I told my son to do. Officer, mm-hmm. I'll give it to you, but my ID is in the console, I'm going to reach over and grab it if that's okay with you, because you know, yes, go ahead and grab it. I was like, okay, I'm grabbing it out of this console right here, so I reach over, cross my arm, and get it out, hand him my driver's license. He goes back, and he runs it, and he comes back, and he's like, well, this is a really nice car that you have. And I'm like, he's like, where'd you get it from? And I was like, well, you know, it's part of the school, I'm a coach, and it's part of my deal with the school, and um, it's like, oh, okay, that's a really nice car. And he just kind of held me there for a long time. And mm-hmm. it just so happened as he's continued to ask me different questions, another uh, officer pulls up from a different department, from a different thing. He was from the sheriff's department. And 
and so he's like, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay over here? And he's like, how you doing? So I'm like, I'm doing great. I said, I'm just, I'm the head women's basketball coach. I'm, uh, he's like, asked what's going on. I was like, well, I was texting a recruit trying to figure out whether or not I'm going to go to LA, tell him the story. And, and he recognized, he's like, hey, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're the coach. Yeah, you're the women's basketball coach. And told the other officer at the highway patrol, like, hey, man, this guy's okay. You can let him go. He's like, coach, if you don't mind, just pull around to the other side over there at the Denny's, and you can stay there all you want to um, and, and text. And so um, I did. Um, I did that. And uh, But the other officer was looking like he was angry at the mm. fact that he didn't get what he wanted out of me. And he, his whole complexion changed. He turned bright red. And mm. um, it was that was my experience in 2019. That's wild. How about you, Erica? Have you had similar experiences? Uh, thankfully, I've never had experience like my father's or like uh, or anything worse. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm truly am grateful for that. Uh, but I have heard stories of my grandparents uh, who have been pulled over. Um, my grandma actually just a couple weeks ago. My grandma told me that she got pulled over um, years ago, maybe like 30 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had pulled a gun out on her because they said that she fit the description of a black male. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. Um, Nothing like a male no, at all. No word. <laughs> <laughs> very, like, very feminine lady. Um, it, it was because they were driving, I think it was a Buick, I think it was a new Buick, which was like mm-hmm. you know, a nice, very nice car at the time. And so, you know, just because she was a, a, a black woman, so I was a black person driving a nice car. They pulled her over, pulled the gun out on her. Um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And so with those stories, like my dad, like my grandmother's, my grandfather experienced a lot of racism too. Um, it's very humbling for me and I'm very appreciative that I've never had to go through, through anything like that. Um, but I still acknowledge their experiences. I still mm-hmm. acknowledge their experiences because I know, um, I don't have the same experiences like everyone else, but yet I acknowledge them. They humble me and, um, they keep me very grateful, very grounded for my experience of living in America. Hmm. Well, I hope that's a positive sign or change over the years, and we'll just continue to be more so when, you know, you're a grandmother someday, hypothetically. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. So, so we've kept you for a while. I really appreciate your time. You know, one question, uh, and we're going to be, we're going to be actually, I should say, uh, we're having Pokey Chapman actually on a podcast to talk some about these same issues. Okay, Pokey. <laughs> Shout out, Pokey, right? Um, so I would encourage people that are watching or listening when we release this as a podcast to, uh, you know, continue to listen to our podcast. But, you know, one question I had for you, maybe some just really a question for advice, is about, you know, how you think we should be incorporating these kinds of um, issues into our content, right? You know, our sort of mission statement is unlocking better insight about uh, women's basketball. You know, much of that might be more breaking down your games, breaking down your teams. But, you know, we're not only about stats. We're, you know, interviewing people all the time and, and hearing stories. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, I think if we only had, you know, as valuable as it would be to maybe the, I don't know, as valuable as it would be to, like, have conversations this in-depth, you know, going forward every Thursday afternoon, like, you know, at some level that's also not, I don't think, what – uh, you know, people are coming to us for. So, it's, you know, it's a question kind of I at least have uh, internally. So I'm curious what your thoughts would be. Um, certainly, you know, if we're talking to players, I could see it coming up as part of the conversation when it's not quite as top of mind as we were talking earlier. But I'd really love your uh, 
perspective on it. Oh, want me to go? <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 a really good question um, of how we keep going the, the conversations. Um, just know they're uncomfortable conversations, but conversations needed to be had, um, and approaching them in a in a light matter, like how they come up naturally. Um, and I don't know, I really can't give a an answer to to how you might state a question or how you communicate with people. Um, but yeah, just, just know that never be afraid to ask, um, because sometimes, or uh, most of the time, a lot of people are so willing to share their story. So yeah. willing to share education. Um, I think that's just the first step of just, just knowing that you're, you're okay to ask, um, because ultimately we all want to be uh, educated about what's going on in the world. We all want to be united. So I guess that's, that's my answer. I don't know if you have a more in-depth. No, um, pretty much the same thing. Just, you know. If you have a question, you know, ask it, you know, uh, we're all human. Hmm. Oh, you know, we all, uh, Americans and yes, it's, it's hard to just say, okay, I, I can't see color. Uh, but we all can, we all can do the same thing. We all can, should be equal, um, because we're all American, but we're all, and even if we, we're not Americans if like the people that are protesting across the country we're still humans we're all human beings and that's the way God made us and he made us where you shouldn't see color because he did and he just wants everybody to be able to be the same be one be one human being one human race and if we can all just do that and and continue to educate each other because that's all everybody wants is just to be equal, be a human being and be treated the same. And we know that, you know, there's others that have more than others, but if you still, regardless, if I was born today with a silver spoon in my mouth and she was born and didn't have a lot, we still human. We still should have the same equal rights coming up to a lot of the same laws and a lot of the same things, not because of what money can do, but we should have the same rights, the same human rights. And that's what makes us be one. That's what things can make things, other people think, make things happen in the world if we become one. And, uh, and that's what the power of education comes from and just educating because it shouldn't take money to do a lot of different things. And that's why the policies and things like that have to change so we can become one human race. I agree. Great. Yeah, I want to be hung and sit your time, so it is 6.30, but thank you both so much for joining us and for talking today. It was really valuable to me and Aaron, and I'm sure very valuable to everyone that was listening as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Um, hoping that some of the things that we said and shared could help somebody else. Um, hopefully it's educated you guys, it's educated us, and it can help somebody else. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I look forward to uh, having you on, as we sort of alluded to before we went on air, uh, to talk about basketball, because, uh, you know, both your basketball stories are fascinating as well. So we'll do that again sometime soon. Soon come, soon come. Soon come. Basketball family, the McCalls. Basketball family. It's in the blood. That's what we say. It's in the blood.
Certainly. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate your willingness to come on with us. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.